Welcome to the Two Tokens Podcast. During these episodes, we will invite guests onto our show and discuss everything token-related. You can expect to hear about token business models, the underlying technology stack, token governance, but also more mainstream topics such as NFTs. Does this sound interesting to you? Then make sure you subscribe and keep listening. And now, on to the episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Two Tokens again, this time from Amsterdam. Uh, it's, it's June the 29th, I think. And 29th. To, to my left, we have Jonathan Fry. Johnny. Good morning. And to my right, we have Anthony Abel. And uh, with a broad Canadian accent. Good. Canadian by birth. And, uh, yeah. and we promised to, um, to call ourselves you know, as, uh, you know, with the first name. Yeah. You're Tony and you're Johnny. And you're Alex. And I'm Alex. Welcome. So today um, we are uh, here to end the first masterclass series, and Johnny, you were invited to tell people about the companies who are actually applying tokenization, and uh, and hence, you know, your presence here, Tony, with your company. Can you tell us a little bit about your company called? It's TPX, right? Indeed, indeed. Um, uh, the, the Topco is called Universal Trust Me Engine Limited, and the name gives it away a little bit. So we, our DNA was absolutely in the token economy and the blockchain environment. But the actual trading arms are the TPX property exchanges. And we set out in 1617 uh, to focus on making property a liquid tradable asset class. They're taking an illiquid object and making it liquid which only our blockchain technologies can really do. So wait a minute, 2016, you said? Indeed. We started early. Uh, we started off as a blockchain company focusing on supply chains and uh, blockchain-enabling pharma supply chains, that sort of thing, uh, looking at shipping and a few other things. But then we realized that uh, the, the biggest game in town, so to speak, the most intriguing part of the entire industry is when you can take an illiquid asset like property and make it a fully liquid tradable asset class. So it's where, it's where the real world meets the token economy. That's what we found very interesting. We weren't great crypto fans, but we do love those intrinsic value assets and moving them as if they were cryptos. Johnny, you and I, we were, we were there in 2016. Yeah, I thought it was 16, 17. I thought I wasn't there then. <laughs> you know. It seems like 100 years, by the way, Tony. <laughs> it does at times, I freely admit. Yeah. <laughs> So are you telling me you now have a product or a service that tokenizes real estate, real property? Yes. So um, it, it, there is a funny story behind this, and I like funny stories, particularly for all those listening in. Um, we actually went to the FCA in 17, our financial conduct authority in London, and we went in and asked to be regulated. Um, they fell off their seats laughing because they'd never had anyone come in and ask to be regulated like we had. Because we realized in 17 that ultimately the blockchain environment, the blockchain economy as such, is going to have to end up in a regulated environment. And so we're fairly prescient in that, and uh, the FCA accepted our case. And even though they didn't have the primary legislation by which they could regulate us, um, they agreed uh, that we could work with them, and we have been doing so ever since. So we had two case officers assigned to us, and we had a slow, slow, informal relationship with them ever since. Uh, and they're very keen to see us in the marketplace for the economic impact that we have on the marketplace. So, which means you have a service, you are up and running. We, we did an MVP back in 17, 
to be the fair. The MVP was in 17. Yeah. Okay, so that's 80 years ago. Yeah, yeah. that feels yeah. like it. 2017. <laughs> okay. Let's just, let's just put the 2000 <laughs> and just go. I think what's really um, interesting, the reason I asked uh, Tony to come and talk about TPX is there's a lot of people talking about um, the, the tokenization, the digitization of real estate. And, and to be quite honest with you, um, we don't really need it because we've got REITs. REITs have effectively created unitized vehicles. Um, and if you issue a REIT at $100 million, let's say, it immediately will be trading at something like 10 15% discount. So I think it's really important to understand this isn't the tokenization necessarily um, of, a, of a collective like that, but it's enabling the, the tokenization at the land registry level. So it means that I could actually buy 10% of your house or 1% of your, your property, and then my name is on the land registry. So when you sell your property, I get you know, 10% of your house, whether okay, it's gone so up or down. So you just caught me to it because I was, that was my next question. Why tokenization, right? Um, it's very fundamental. We have a view. Um, we're macroeconomic guys, which I'm, afford, I'm afraid makes us a little boring at times. But macroeconomics and looking at the long cycle, and we anticipated in 17 a double-digit inflation period lasting potentially up to a decade. And we knew this was going to happen, uh, which is where we find ourselves now, of course, in most economies. So we always knew that every time this happens in history, economic history, you always end up in an asset-based economy, where there's only really one asset that makes sense if you're moving back to an asset-based economy, um, and that is to use property. So if we can apply our new technologies to this and using title of property, which is fundamentally different from a security. In all the jurisdictions we're deploying, it's fundamentally different. It, it's a, a transaction between two individuals, property transaction between two individuals is not a regulated activity. And so we very carefully built our exchanges to map precisely to that and then worked with our regulators throughout that process. We've even got to the stage where our regulators introducing us to other regulators. So we did a top-down approach to this to preserve the title of property and to take that very title of property and turn it into a liquid tradable asset such, to such a degree that it can outperform our current payment rails. So we're using our title certificates to buy our Starbucks coffee directly. And that's very interesting um, because if you're moving to an asset-based economy, an asset-based economy is largely inflation-resistant based upon property as the real estate asset inside that asset-based economy, and you end up with some very different dynamics operating in our national economies, our global economies, if you move to an asset-based economy, particularly when you're trying to fight a very high inflation rate. Okay, the law. How does this work? You know, June 1st, we had a symposium. Uh, it was with several professors, and they actually said tokenization and property law don't really go well together. And uh, you're doing something here that's opposing their view. But we also came to the conclusion that there's two parts of the world, you know, uh, English common law, Yes, I, I have to confess here. And the rest. We're, and the rest. <laughs> <laughs> having, having taken legal opinions um, from barristers, former directors of land registry, uh, chairman of the Mortgage Lenders Association, working with the Prudential in London, um, we've taken some very careful soundings and legal opinions on this, inevitably, and then tested this with various legal firms around the world. So I'm afraid in this particular instance, English common law has a slight advantage. Mm-hmm is that it is very strong on, on property rights and digital rights and individual rights associated um, with property. So on that basis, um, it lends itself incredibly well, from our point of view, to a, 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 an asset, a digital asset-based economy. So we can take the title of property, small enumerated, down to the penny, utter transparency, um, uh, 
and allow mm -hmm. people to use that directly in the payment platform through some of the new technologies that we're using these days, which the institutions are using. So if you take a Uniswap, an automated market maker, that provides 24-7 liquidity for the asset. So at any time you wish to use it, it's as good as cash. It is cash. And our market mechanism gives a real-time pricing for that so asset. Does this mean that there's very little that needs to be changed in the civil code? Yes, well, when we built all this, we, we very carefully mapped it to existing workflow um, processes. So um, we, when, when, we're, when we're defending this, we say, well, well, where's your primary legislation? Where's your secondary? Where's your case law? I said, well, fine, we're very happy to take it down that path. Because arguably in the UK, we have over 120, 110, 120 years of that mm -hmm. that fully supports our business case. So title, in its smallest possible unit, is something that we've created um, in this process, and the laws already fully support mm -hmm. the use of it. So, Alex, I think it's I think it's a couple of things I'd like to pick on there. First of all, um, what what they're doing with tokenization, if you're a, if you're a, a real estate owner, you own a flat, you own a house, you can effectively unlock some of the capital in your property. So that may be fantastic for estate planning. It may be good if perhaps you need money for medical purposes. So there's a lot of people who are asset rich and cash poor. There's also increasingly a younger generation who just can't get on the property ladder. So this enables them to be able to have maybe, you know, a couple of thousand, um, you know, dollars, yen, pounds worth in, you know, one particular jurisdiction, one particular town. Um, it also means that um, property owners, say, in London, rather than having, you know, a million pounds worth of house in London, you could say, I think I'll actually take 20% out and put it in perhaps the West Country, perhaps put it in Scotland, maybe buy something else. I diversify your assets. So I think that's one thing which is where this is actually quite interesting. And we have a, 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 a product or a service called equity release. The equity release market is predicted to be worth something like 30 billion a year. But typically in equity release, I actually um, give you money as an insurance company or a bank. And then you as the homeowner have to pay me interest on, my, on what I've effectively I've borrowed. And then over a period of time, I could find out where I own as the institution all of your house and you've got nothing of it. So I think that's an interesting one there. But going back to the property law, and I think this is really important, English law is actually used in over 80 different jurisdictions. Um, and, and akin to that, and I know a lot of the work Two Tokens have been doing with people like the Port of Rotterdam, um, actually the digitization of bills of lading. Yeah, the bills of lading that, and actually it's already in the House of Lords in England, so it's going to pass, you know, as, as in, in, yep. in legislation, I think next month even. And yep. Whereas here in the Netherlands, you know, it takes a lot longer to change the civil code. But, 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 but the Netherlands will be able to use, well, look, 80% of global trade is conducted using English law. Yes. Uh, right or wrong, that's just the way it goes. So once you've got some legal clarity, then different jurisdictions can bring in their own regulatory um, clarity if, if required around that. But what it's doing, what we're seeing is, is an advancement of the, the, the laws and the regulations to enable the digitization, the tokenization um, of paperwork in this case, or in TBX's case, um, of actually effectively tokenizing property. But, but again, I stress at, at the land registry level. Because there's a registry, and but in countries where there is no registry, no land registry, you know, it would be more, more difficult. You know, countries like the Netherlands and England, we have this land registry, that, so that would make it easier. Right? Indeed, you, you still have that central depository that that is that we in, in effect tokenize. Yeah, right. But as another subject, because this gets nerdy, right? So we can have the lawyers and and the techies and. But uh, what you know? How about the socio-economic impact? You know, have you? Well, we we we're part of the sharing economy. So um, uh, not to turn this into an advertisement, but we, we very much focused on, on uh, some of these new thinking systems and how they can operate. And, and um, 
differentiating between the value of money and the value that we have in a society. And so we very much focused on, on uh, and, and this is quite solidly in our DNA, we're very keen to, to make sure the system we leave behind us works a lot better than the one we inherited. So if we can move to an asset-based economy, we believe uh, that we have a, a number of major effects in the economies in which we deploy. Uh, one, uh, we reduce significantly inflation. New monetary policy tools for central banks, the ability to do quantitative easing in different ways, um, to effectively soak up and absorb the excess cash. That is the principal cause uh, for the inflations that we have in most of our And that's economies. locked up in all these illiquid assets. Exactly. Well, partially, yes. And, and inevitably, if you look at the UK, 56% of the money currently in circulation in the UK, digital money, all money, M1, M2, is produced by the housing industry. And the, the problem is, is that a major cause of our inflation, and it's a reason that also it's very hard to kick the habit uh, for our political systems and our economic systems, because ledger money is a principal means by which most of our financial institutions create their own money, so, and that's where they lend to other people. So it's endemic. But in terms of the social economic good, we're very much focused on this, because A, it allows the pensioners who are trapped with asset loan, you know, land rich, cash poor, or property rich, uh, cash poor, um, to access a more fair, uh, equitable form of equity release. And we think inherently the current form of equity release is patently unfair because it steals wealth over time and leaves a lot of the pensioners and the families that they've worked so hard to protect and, and uh, uh, enable, uh, it, it stops them from inheriting that wealth. So and it's interesting that, you know, because the Two Tokens Foundation, as you well know, Johnny, uh, was asked by the government to come up with a broad analysis of the impact of tokenization on the economy at large and uh, how, uh, in this particular case, the Netherlands uh, stack up to the rest of Europe and, you know, Britain, you know, yep. Sing Singapore on the thumbs, <laughs> right? So, but it will be interesting to, to see, you know, your project here, your little project, it's actually a big project. It's big, it's, it's global. <laughs> we're, we're launching you're, 20 you're exchanges. Global, huh? yeah, yeah, we're launching 20 exchanges over the next 18 months. We 20? Exchanges over the next 18 months. We have, we have launch teams in a number of US cities, forming in Canadian cities. We're looking at European cities. That's part of the reason we're here in Amsterdam today. Good. Alex, I'm, I'm interested. Um, in, can you tell us a little bit more about the masterclasses? Because obviously this is the sixth one. You've asked us to sort of put together um, a number of different speakers and examples of um, international case studies and why should we kind of bother. But can you just explain for um, perhaps listeners that haven't, don't know that much about the masterclasses, a bit about two tokens and a little bit about why have you done the masterclasses and what, what, does, what do they cover? Yeah, so we never introduce ourselves, do we? we, we you know, Tony introduced himself, and uh, and Johnny, you didn't introduce yourself either. But no, but Two Tokens been around for four years, as you know, and we were started by uh, experts, uh, for experts, and companies interested to adopt tokenization. And um, as we uh, went along, you know, from masterclasses and and working groups, we created a lot of uh, knowledge, and people want to learn. And it's not just people who know nothing. No, it's knowledgeable people. It's people you know, who are you know, practicing law, barristers, who are at working at the bank, who are in government, who are entrepreneurs. They want to basically upskill everything they know about tokenization. Many people think that tokenization is the same as blockchain, it's the same as crypto, right? But we here at the table know that that is not the case. There are many different forms of tokens many different use cases in a way it's the oil of the di digital economy right and uh, so that's why we took it upon us to start a series of master classes it's a series uh, of, of of six 
uh, afternoons of five hours each. And what have they roughly covered so far? So they cover uh, the first two sessions are done by Oliver, uh, whom you met. And it's really the fundamentals of, uh, of tokenization. You know, we look a little bit at the technology. We look at smart contracts. We look at uh, the different types of tokens that are out there, right? Um, a very important part in, uh, of the masterclass is that's a separate session is on value engineering. Before you can even think about a token, you need to first figure out what's my business model, who are the stakeholders at the table, what value are we transferring, before you can even, if you have that figured out, only then can you start to define the token taxonomy. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And people make usually do it the other way around. Yes. You know, let's start with e Ethereum, let's start with yeah, the technology, yeah. and then at the end, oh, wait a moment, we have to rethink our business model. But that's actually the very first thing you need to do. And um, then, of course, you know, with the help of CMS, where we are you know, today. Yeah. And the lovely offices here. Lovely offices here in Amsterdam. Uh, we do a firm legal review. You know, of course, there is ma markets in crypto assets, MICA regulations. There is Method 2. There is a transfer ruling. There's all these different regulations. And people think that for tokenization, MICA is, it covers all. But it's not the case, right? You know, we know that here. It's a start. It's a start. And, um, and so rather than trying to be theoretical about it, in, in all the, uh, the, the, the class you know, for, for, for three months, in these six classes, there's always use cases to support the theory. Right? So we have a use case on how to do a utility token to, to help uh, an association with members. We had a, a security token to raise money you know, and on a regulated exchange. Um, so all these, these, uh, these, these, uh, this theory, if you will, is supported by real examples. Okay, and, and Alex, I'm, I'm really keen to emphasize that, um, well, if you look, let's look at the facts. The facts are that the cryptocurrency market is a trillion-ish. Um, and, you know, okay, don't, don't want to sort of play down. Trillions a lot of money, but it's insignificant when you look at, um, you know, the, the repo market, let's say, which is actually trading, you know, a trillion or three trillion a month. So, and then you look at, say, the equity market, that's, you know, something in, the, in excess of 100, 120 trillion. We look at the real estate market, 326 trillion, according to Savills. You, you've, you've, you've not been fishing in the crypto pool. You've done some real examples in business working with the port of rotterdam um in terms of their bills of lading and trying to make that whole much more efficient between rotterdam and um, singapore in asia C can you just share some of the other ones that you've also done um that are very much in the real business world and using the technology for commercial purposes the reason for that is that uh you and i we were there with with the, the ICO wars, remember? Um, yeah. No, and, and so that's all good and well. That's, uh, we wanted to see how we could use this for adoption in the real world, which meaning, you know, uh, the, the FinTech, the financial institutes, you know. The, energy. Energy, you know, uh, agri-tech, uh, logistics. Share registrars. Share registrars, you know. And, and so to do that, you know, we wanted to really stay away from crypto coins because they were kind of uh, tainted and they weren't important. You know, they are important, you know, there's definitely innovation coming from there. But uh, we wanted to have the real world um, get ready for that, that, that change which is upon us. It, it's, it's not going to yeah. go away, it is coming. 
And so how do you do that? If you, you can inform people about this, and it will go in one ear, out the other, I always tell people. But if you want to inspire them to use those innovations and, and implement them, you have to just show them you know, and do it. And that's why we do these masterclasses. We do them with banks, some major banks in the Netherlands and in Europe. Uh, one example was tokenizing invoices. Yeah. You know, basically, you know, how can we finance your revenue and in factoring and, and f you know, tokens every invoice and have investors pick it up. You know, another use case was f uh, tokenizing solar panels and have people uh, own part of a solar field and, and, and in, in terms of a green bond, you know, tokenize green bond and you get your return. Uh, but now the next level is, of course, not just tokenizing the asset, but also tokenizing the offset, kilowatt yeah. hours or carbon credits. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these, as we, it's like a rabbit hole, right? You, you, you dive in and you go deeper and deeper and all these new business cases come, come forward. Okay, so, so it's interesting. That's, sorry, I didn't introduce myself. You know, I run a business called Team Blockchain and we produce, as you know, a, a weekly analysis looking at how, where, why and who are using blockchain technology and digital assets. So it, it's trying to, as you know, give little case studies and say, okay, this is what's happening in the agriculture sector the fashion sector, the music sector, the finance sector. And the reason we don't focus on just one area is because different businesses can learn what's happening in different areas. Um, as, as we've said before, you know, we've got the situation whereby effectively blockchain technology has been around since the 70s. It came to wide-scale adoption really with Napster, file sharing, which got shut down. Um, and what we're now seeing is that that technology, it gave rise to ICOs, which some were legally questionable let's let's be honest with you but now it's being adopted by governments themselves so we've got 90 percent of governments looking to bring out some form of central bank digital currency not to replace cash and i think this is really important it's just to give another option because if you can move money around faster cheaper more efficiently and more compliant well that's be good news you know for society as a whole you know there's something like 700 billion a year of Remittances. So when we've all gone from you know CMS's offices today, there will be a security guard. There'll be cleaners that come in. Some of these are the poorest paid members of our society. They want to send money back to their family and friends overseas. Now, at the moment, they're being charged on average four and a half percent. The issue at hand is you know Napster in the 1999, you know, became Spotify, right? And then uh, it was there was an innovator there. His name was Steve Jobs. You know, who, you, you you introduced the iPod, right? So, but that took what better part of twenty years before before it became mainstream, right? Yep. You know, a, a Netflix started with shipping uh, videotapes and later on CDs and, and mm -hmm. envelopes before they started a streaming service, and, and so these these innovations take time. It's not a quick fix. It's a generational thing. And um, in order for us to help those different industries, uh, you know, adopt those, 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 you know, we have to educate them. And, yeah. and, and that's why we started these masterclasses. But I would also suggest that there's a certain number of exigent requirements that are driving some of the adoptions of these technologies. Johnny's quite right, you mentioned speed, efficiency. We are in a double-digit high inflation environment globally. Um, that's going to be with us for a while. So these alternative versions, these, these different types of ways of looking at these problems, um, some of these technologies are unlocking those things. Uh, you know, what we're doing with property actually um, started in 1640. The French did it with the Assignés. Um, Benjamin Franklin did it in America when they, the British um, insisted that all the gold went back to America. They didn't have any money, so they needed to create their own. 
they use property. So it's funny how the circle turns. And once again, we're in a, in a, in a set of exigent requirements, I'd argue, where it's forcing us to adopt these technologies. But what's nice about these technologies is they work a lot better, faster, more efficiently, and more transparently, and increasingly better governed now, um, that actually um, this can be a sea change in the way that we conduct a lot of our commercial activities. And that, I think, is something that we should all welcome. Yeah, and so it's upon us that we change our narrative that we've had the last 10, 12 years. And the narrative was, you know, of course, there was a lot of techies and people that were very passionate about it. But now it's, it's us that we need to convince the people who are not that passionate and not knowledgeable and take them by the hand and show them that this is not scary and this is actually going to solve. And by the way, uh, for what it's worth, it's not about technology, right? No, it, it, exactly. It, you know, <laughs> this is it. The technology, that's the easiest. Yeah, the know? technology is now is, uh, uh, in the blockchain DLT space has become incredibly stable. Yes. We now have the Goldman Sachs, the JP Morgans all using it, whether they fully admit it all the time is another matter. But they are using it. And a stable coin environment where you can do transactions in milliseconds that used to take weeks. Yeah. So um, now all of a sudden, you know, some of these things are already here to stay. and They're using them because they're so much more efficient than some of the old technologies. Yeah, so two tokens is kind of, you know, we call, they call us a think tank. I, I like to see this as a do tank. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but, um, you know, we invite you all to join us in these masterclasses. We can do them, you know, in your local city. We can do them for... You know, um, but it, it's important that you you learn, you share, and you come together because there's not one answer. Yeah, uh, and uh, this is uh, this isn't over yet. We only got started. But, but Alex, the other thing I would I would stress is that actually, um, if if you're listening to this and thinking I don't really follow what what does this all mean, just just Google blockchain plus whatever industry you're in. It could be finance. It could be. I know fashion, it could be advertising, and I think you'd be very, very surprised to see the number of not just theoretical scholarship papers, but the number of companies that are getting involved and are committing resources. You know, we know with the back work that we do with the banks and the asset managers, behind the scenes, some of the biggest banks in Europe and America have teams, 30, 40, 50, 100 people working on about to roll out the use of the technology. The thing is, you know, it's, it was not fashionable to use crypto, right, because the regulators didn't like it. Um, so then we used the term blockchain. You know, that's out of fashion also now, right? Um, so uh, now, of course, everybody talks AI. AI. <laughs> so it, it, it's not in fashion today. But it, it, let's look at it, you know, whether it's metaverse or blockchain or, you know, it's, it's decentralized technologies, trusted technologies, that are used to create the society for the future. And uh, it's on us to educate those people. Uh, and Alex, that word trust, I think, is a often misused word. But if there's one thing that blockchain technology can give you, it gives you better transparency. Yeah. It gives you greater clarity. And with clarity and transparency comes trust. Yeah. And that's why you're seeing governments and regulators, because they're beginning to realize that with greater transparency, it has all sorts of advantages and benefits. Um, you know, it, it wheedles out the nefarious actors, but it, it helps to actually make the system much more efficient um, and better for society as a whole. So this isn't just a, a pure finance play by any means. No, no. With that said, thank you so much. You know, uh, we're going to do the masterclass now. and We've got to put your mortarboard on. Yeah, well. And your ermine. It's actually you who's going to do the mask class, not me. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. So you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. A little, much. Bit, a little bit, <laughs> bit We'll have you for the next podcast. All right. Thank you very much.
That was it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening in and please subscribe so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find our contact details at www.twotokens.org.